0: to Coast to Coast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Trey Bettler.
1: And I am Xander Kobold.
0: Welcome to episode two of Coast to Coast. It has been one crazy week of sports, if I do say so myself.
1: That it has, Trey. It has been an interesting weekend, not only just for us, but in the NFL world. Uh, That is true. We do have
0: our Super Bowl. It has been figured out it'll be the Niners and the Chiefs and we'll get into that a little bit later today but we're gonna kick things off go straight into it and we're gonna talk about the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers Lions with a number three seed Niners with a number one seed final score was 34 31 Niners won Brock Purdy 20 of 31 passes 267 yards one passing touchdown one pick Jared Goff on the other end, twenty five of forty one, two seventy three yards and one touchdown. I'll tell you, I think one of the craziest plays. There were crazy plays all over the weekend, but you know, if I'm being completely honest, I think the best thing about this game probably was that Brandon
1: Ayuk catch. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree that uh, that Brandon Ayuk catch was uh, definitely interesting, and not only that, but just very unfortunate for the lions there cuz it <laughs> what looked like it was going to be a absolute you know great interception there ended up bouncing off uh bouncing off the uh, helmet and right into his arms so
0: yeah it did <laughs> the funny thing for the lions it was 24-7 at halftime and they ended up losing 34-31 one thing i definitely want to mention about that is i was very curious about why Dan Campbell did not take the points now I give him kudos because hey Dan Campbell all year long has been saying I'm gonna go for it I'm not gonna take points and he went for it all season long and he stick to what he did all season
1: however I'm still uh, if
0: I'm a Lions fan I'm kind of mad I didn't take points
1: yeah you know but as um as Lions fans uh or, or as some of the Lions fans know Dan Campbell is very aggressive and you kind of had a feeling it was on that fourth and three there that he was definitely going for it. I mean, you know, the analytics also kind of say to go for that as well, but I, I, I get the frustration, you know, you could have kicked the field goal. Definitely at least would have been a tie game at, uh, going into, uh, the end of regulation there and could have had our first overtime game with the new rules, but, uh, it, it just did not turn out that way. And, um, I I believe that they probably should have gone that fourth and three if it wasn't for that Josh Reynolds drop. Yeah,
0: and the Josh Reynolds drop was definitely one of the more bigger plays in the game that you can note about. Another thing I definitely wanted to mention was going for it, running the ball on third down instead of throwing it. I mean, they had to burn a timeout there in the end, and that's something you definitely— don't want to do. I thought that was a terrible play call. And the other thing is they almost got the onside kick, but they touched it before uh, I had passed 10 yards. So even if they did get it, uh, it would have gone straight to the 49ers. So it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But I do want to go in. We're going to kind of do a lot like what we did last week, bringing in some press game, uh, post-game press conferences. And we're going to go to the Lions first. We'll talk. We'll hear from uh, Dan Campbell talking about that fourth and three play instead of uh, kicking a field goal.
1: A little bit. Yeah, I just felt really good about us
0: converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, And I wanted to get the upper hand back, Um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know it's hard because you know they didn't. We didn't come through. We wasn't able to to work out. But I just I don't I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I will get. That's part of the gig, man. Um. But you know we just this didn't work out. And so Dan Campbell obviously not too thrilled after that. But I mean I got to give him credit. He stuck he stick to how he played all season, and uh, I gave him kudos for that.
1: Yeah, you know, Dan Campbell um just had you know, he can't uh that that's probably the saddest I've seen Dan Campbell all season. I mean, he's he's already gone through a lot with the past few years with the uh with the Lions, but um it was you could tell the pain and reflection in his voice for sure. Like he knows, you know, how far they went and you know what they could have been, you know, if they had won that game and now it's now I believe there was something that, I i don't know if this was a real quote that he said, but I'm pretty sure he said something like, he doesn't even know if he's going to be able to make it back next year to the same spot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to take a team to the NFC Championship game, let alone the Detroit Lions with how young they are. and. I mean, as you said, Dan Campbell typically will give you some very energetic interviews and actually, honestly, will give you some clip-worthy interviews where you want to clip it and be like, yeah, that's that's Dan Campbell for you. I mean, he is the guy who said we're going to bite your kneecaps in his opening press conference. <laughs> so, I mean, he's that's definitely not the Dan Campbell we're used to, but you can tell he's upset, and Lions are definitely going to be looking to get back to uh, stardom that they are in this year. Uh, as they bring it into next season. Next, we'll hear from Josh Reynolds talking about that drop pass on fourth down. We are going for, for it all, you know, and, uh, and we came up a little short, and, you know, just, just name the game sometimes. coaches' So that was short <laughs> and sweet, but, you know, Josh Reynolds, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can say about that. They yeah. Went for it all. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. He just couldn't bring it in.
1: Yeah. Those, those, those drops were very unfortunate. It it honestly seemed like he, he wasn't really trying to dodge the question necessarily, but I just think it was definitely one of those moments where he absolutely just wanted to forget like that two plays ever happened, you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it sucks. And, you know, it mostly kind of cost him the game, honestly. Um, but you know, it, it, it you know, it, there's there's a lot of, a lot of frustration and pain going through that um, that locker room during that time. So, I kind of get him dodging that question there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not, a lot of players are not going to want to talk uh, about drops or anything like that after a game. They're going to be upset for a little while and not really, you know, want to address the big thing in the room. I mean, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. You're kind of like, okay, yeah, this kind of happened, but. I'm not really getting into that right now. I'm still upset about it, and I don't want to say anything that could cost me my job. Um, one thing I do want to mention is how Jared Goff was, you could tell he was visibly upset after all those drops, really getting upset about how his receivers should have had it, and they could not bring it in.
1: Yeah, you know, it was, again, just uh, a very, very unfortunate circumstances there. Uh, there uh, I, I, I kind of understand Jared Goff, too, on this one. I mean, he, he's already made it to one Super Bowl, but his goal was when he got traded to the Lions was he is trying to, you know, rise up the this Lions team who hasn't even made it to the Super Bowl at all. So uh, the fact that they got this close and it basically came down to two drop passes and those passes were almost perfect. It just those those passes needed to be caught. So understandably, that frustration was very present there for uh, jared goff
0: exactly we'll hear from kyle shanahan now the head coach of the 49ers um and this is basically him talking about that second half comeback from the niners and then that was a huge part of this game like i said niners trailed 24 to 7 at the half and ended up winning 34 31 um i mean yeah no yeah no other choice i mean it was nice that we were starting out with the ball in the third so it gave us some hope in that way um And also it being a 17 point game was encouraging because it looked like it should have been worse. Uh, That's definitely how it felt. That's how the numbers looked. Um, But we were only down 17, which uh, that's not too much. But you got to start playing a lot better in order for that not to be too much. And came out in the third quarter and um, we finished with a field goal. I definitely thought that wasn't uh, enough. But then I think our D stopped him on a fourth down the next time. Then we got a touchdown. Then I want to say the next drive was the turnover. And then just like that, it was just three three drives, and <clears throat> I think by the end of the third, it was a tie game. And then it was like, all right, it's the first quarter again, but it's the fourth. Let's start. And so that's the thing that you definitely want to mention is how that defense really started to come through for San Francisco at the end of the game, but they didn't show up at the beginning of the game, and that was really one of the bigger issues of this game.
1: Yeah, the, the defense at the very beginning was really struggling to get this Lions offense stopped at all. I mean, very beginning of the game, I believe, was a J-Mo touchdown uh, to, to start off the game on their first drive. And not only that, um, the Lions, the very next drive, also got, I believe, another touchdown too. So the Lions offense was rolling, and the, the defense didn't have any answers for w- w- like what was going on. Uh, and they really did show up in the second half. We saw typical 49ers uh, defense right there uh and it, it, it helped them it, it, it got them to uh it got them to where they needed and the their offense was able to pick up from there and tie, basically not only tied the game but ended up winning the game so uh their uh 49ers have a really really great defense uh behind you know uh uh you know Brock Purdy and his offense so we'll uh, we'll have to see what that's going to look like in the Super Bowl
0: yeah, we definitely are going to have to see what that is like. One thing I do want to talk about now is Brock Purdy. Purdy is one of those players where I'm like, I don't trust him in big moments. No, I, I certainly don't either. Pur- uh, Purdy yeah. is, you know, he's he's show, he's played in big games before, but he's never came through. This time he came through but he kind of didn't at the same time.
1: Yeah, Brock, Brock Purdy is a very interesting, I think, QB in the fact that he he's off, he's on, but sometimes it's like he's both at the same time. I can never tell. Um, uh, again, one of the one of the few things that one of the uh, touchdown drives that they had was uh, could be considered pretty lucky after the uh, what the uh, what was supposed to be a reception turned into a, I think about a forty yard reception all the way down to five. So. He 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 had moments where he looked good, and then he had moments where he just looked awful.
0: Awful, exactly. We'll actually hear from Brock Purdy now on his thoughts about facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl in, in two weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a challenge. You know, you got um, Mahomes and what he does and their team. They're special, man. Um, they're, they're winners. You know, they've proven that over however many years he's been there. Um, so for us to be able to, to go back and play them is gonna be sweet. It's gonna be special for all of us. And uh, you
0: know, I wasn't here obviously in nineteen, but from just like you could just tell the guys that have been here, like if anybody, that'd be it'd be special for them to play these guys. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. So as Purdy was mentioning last time, the Niners and the Chiefs met in the Super Bowl was 2019, where the Chiefs would end up taking that trophy. And I'm excited to see if Brock Purdy can actually flip the switch and become a valuable a valuable quarterback in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to be a really interesting matchup there. Brock, uh, Brock Purdy seems to, again, like we were saying, it's like he's he's on but off at the same time. But his offense is just it's so incredibly good. I mean, George Kittle, uh, Brett. You know, you got George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You got uh, Brandon Ayuk, um, uh, <laughs> Jawan Jennings uh and then um uh, if you can uh, i'm trying to try to remember i think there's Ken, Kittle, Elijah Mitchell Elijah I mean, Mitchell Debo Samuel i mean dude th- this this team looks absolutely stacked uh right now and they're definitely looking good for uh their their super bowl coming up in about 2 weeks
0: exactly and so that's it for our coverage on the uh NFC Championship. Like I said, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions 34-31. We're now going to start talking. Oh, do you hear that?
1: Wait, What? what is
0: that? Oh... Uh... Right, about the Kansas City Chiefs here, ladies and gentlemen? Right, the Chiefs. How yeah, about those Chiefs, man? The Kansas City Chiefs went into Baltimore and smacked the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say smacked, but it, it, it was... Okay, listen to me. I, I mean, right. Patrick Mahomes got slapped, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> he did get slapped around. We'll definitely talk about that in a second, as that's one of my keys about why the Chiefs won this game. Chiefs won 17 10 over the Ravens. Pat Mahomes, 30 of 39, 241 passing yards and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson, 20 of 37, 272 passing yards, one touchdown and a pick. That one pick was at a very costly moment of the game. Uh, Top receivers, of course, were Travis Kelsey. He passed Jerry Rice for uh, receptions, and that was. (laughs) One fact that I thought would never happen. So kudos to Travis Kelsey and congratulations to him on breaking that record. And then Zay Flowers was the re- leading receiver for the Ravens with five receptions, 115 yards, and one touchdown.
1: Yeah, this. Let me tell you, these these both these games were just like so fun to watch. It, this is this is why you gotta love NFL playoff football. It, it's all it's all. the chippiness is there the the back and forth all these all the tauntings and all these uh you know trying to just get to the super bowl and it leads to all these really close games and this one uh without a doubt was very close uh 17 to 10 was the final score of this one but travis kelsey i mean i as uh, coming from a charger standpoint i hate watching this dude absolutely destroy teams but I got to give it to him, man. He, he's definitely one of the, if not one of the best uh, tight ends in the entire league right now, and it, it showed in this game. I mean, he made some pretty insane catches, including a touchdown pass at the very beginning of the game. So uh, kudos to Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey there, and uh, i pretty sure also Travis Kelsey is winning, at, winning basically at life right now with, <laughs> the, uh, Taylor, uh, with uh, their uh, relationship with Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you, that first touchdown... Catch by Kelsey was one of the greatest catches I've seen all season from him. I think that might have been his highlight play of the season. Um, but what I will say is, I think one of the best plays in this entire game was Lamar acting like a kid in fifth grade in the backyard playing by himself when he plays football. Lamar threw a pass, it got tipped at the line, and he went up and actually caught his own pass. And I was, and I like, hey, that looks like me back in fifth grade when I'm playing backyard
1: by myself. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, that 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 play was legitimately ridiculous. I mean, I not, not I mean. Chiefs fans, well, I mean, they they don't really care now, but in that moment, I I bet you they're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, I mean, a a ball tipped into the air and then caught, and then you just, he casually just runs for 13 yards for the first down. And uh, for sure, one one of the most unique plays, but there were a few other unique plays in this game, too, that ultimately actually cost the Ravens a win at the end.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I was going to get into real quick. I will say this before we get into more of that uh this uh AFC Championship game actually broke the record. It was the most watched AFC Championship game ever. It had 55.5 million views around the country. So, everybody wanted to tune in to see what happened to Taylor Swift and her boyfriend.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, as much as as much as a lot of the NF- some NFL fans are hating on Taylor Swift, I mean, listen, She's helping the NFL. I mean, she's bringing in the ratings. I mean, we're probably about to have, like, the most watched Super Bowl, Super Bowl. of all time. So, Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, hater or lover, she's helping the NFL grow, and you got to love that for the game.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 definitely something that the NFL has been looking for in viewership. It it has been it had been on the decline in the past uh, with viewership because there wasn't a lot of interesting uh, drama or any sort of um, cel- or in this case, a cel- uh, big time celebrity uh, playing a huge impact on basically how the chi- uh, how the Chiefs play. So uh, I, I I think it's it, it's good for football and. Uh, Really exciting to see what that's going to look like in the next few years. Exactly. So, like I said, 17-10 was the
0: score. Baltimore has a heck of an offense, and they typically will score a lot. And that's the thing with Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, going to be the MVP in my opinion. Um, And that high-powered offense typically will score a lot. And so being held to 10 points definitely shows you that a defense was playing well. But... I don't think that was honestly the case. I don't think the defense was playing very well for the Chiefs. I mean, I don't get me wrong, they played a good game. But the thing with the offense is that they had self-inflicted penalties the entire game.
1: Yeah, I believe they had four personal fouls during the game, and a lot of them were actually very costly. I mean, in at the, at the uh, first half, I believe in the second quarter, Patrick Mahomes at the very beginning took an absolute clothesline. Um, from, and we're not joking. It was it, legit it was, a clothesline. It was literally a clothesline to the face. Um, so I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that. Uh, that so that was a clear mistake there. Now it didn't really seem too costly at the time, but definitely some of the other ones were uh, super costly to the Ravens. It's, uh, especially that uh, Javion Clowney. Um, uh, what was it? Roughing, Roughing the passer. The passer. Yeah. Roughing the passer. I mean, what are you? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, he's 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 vulnerable i mean you could have just maybe put two hands on him or or you know maybe tap i mean i mean if you tackle that him, balls
0: but, out you can't touch him you, you and literally can't they tell you that and you know that especially on Patrick mahomes you want to hit Gardner <laughs> menchu a little bit after the play that's fine but patrick mahomes of all people you should know better than that but like i said ravens a high point high scoring offense hold only 10 points here is Lamar after the game on what he thought made the Chiefs' defense so hard to score on.
1: We did. We turned the ball over. We was driving the ball. We just, you know, they, they made great plays, fumble, and stuff like that. Um, we keep the ball in our possession. We put points on the board.
0: So, I mean, he's exactly right. They turned the ball over. Lamar had a, had a pick at the end of the game that killed them. Zay Flowers fumbled in the end
1: zone. There, <laughs> There was a bunch of things that cost them this game well i think not only that Zay flowers in the end zone uh was costly but literally like two plays before that the uh the taunting the, the taunting penalty there now listen i i get i get the competition i mean we already knew it was a very chippy game teams were the teams were already going back uh, back and forth <laughs> before during the warm-ups I mean, yeah, I mean, before the just, game even started I mean, so
0: it started with justin tucker and and the kicker um Kelsey and Mahomes were warming up, and Tucker had his balls all lined up and on the kick and tee ready to go. He was stretching, and Travis Kelsey came on over, and he punted the ball and started throwing his Tucker's helmet and everything. And Tucker was quoted after the game saying that he just thought it was all some gamesmanship and all in good fun, uh, but it seemed to be taken a little bit more seriously, and he's totally willing to let it all go.
1: Yeah, I mean, looking at that, looking at the replay uh, of – uh, Travis Kelsey throwing the equipment. It, it was random. Which, I mean, it was very random, but I, I get what Travis was doing. I mean, he he's already trying. He's he's that he's one of those players who for sure is going to try to get in the pe- uh, people's heads. Yeah. And I gotta say, for most of that game, it actually was working. I mean, the Ravens were the Ravens' defense was getting absolutely pissed uh, during the game, and I, I believe a penalty was actually called on Kyle Van Noy after a few and a uh, few a few uh, headbutt uh, right there. And it's always. It did look like Travis, you know, definitely played a part in that, but it was not on Travis because it was it's always the last person to uh, 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 invoke that contact.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. We're going to go back to Lamar's post-game press conference real quick, and I just want to mention here, this is uh, Lamar talking about what he kind of said to Zay Flowers after that fumble. Flowers is a rookie, and you know, uh, rookies in big moments will trying to get down on themselves every once in a while, but I'm telling you, Flowers is a different type of player, and I actually have his post game press conference as well, so you'll get to kind of see what I mean when I tell you that he's, you can tell, he's not down on himself. He's ready for a big year next year.
1: We're going to get it back next time. We're not worried about that. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, this is first season. Um, it's my first time in this situation. It's his first time in this situation. We're going to bounce back. You know, um, nobody played a game perfect.
0: And that's exactly right. Nobody plays the game perfectly. No matter what sport it is, you don't play perfect. Mistakes are bound to happen. Unfortunately, it happened at the worst possible time for Zay Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's it's bound to happen. Um, and I'm going to segue straight into Zay Flowers' game here because we just heard from Lamar, but now let's hear from Zay Flowers himself on what, on what he's thought about the whole thing. But this is actually Zay Flowers on – if he can take that next step to being one of the best receivers in the league. Because I'm telling you, man, I'm a Browns fan. I watch the AFC North all the time. I see a lot of George Pickens, a lot of Zay Flowers, a lot of Jamar Chase. Like Those are the guys I go up against every week. And I'm telling you, Zay Flowers is going to be one one of the biggest receivers in this league for a very long time. So here's Zay Flowers talking about if he can make that step.
1: Yeah, I feel like I got um, another step. I feel like I could be one of the best receivers in this league. And I'm not going to let one moment define me, so I'm going to just use that and use it as a slingshot.
0: So Flowers, obviously, looking forward to next season, knowing that he can take that step, and I believe him. I fully believe that he can take that step.
1: I mean, yeah, his, his playing ability was all out there on the field this year, and uh, it, it, he actually helped them win, win a few games pretty much all season and pretty much their leading receiver uh it was just unfortunate there uh, about that uh, the taunting penalty there at the very end of the uh, the fumble in the end zone. But like you said, you know that one play isn't going to define his entire career. I mean, this was just year one, and he put up some incredible stats. Uh, I think was for sure one of the best rookie receivers this year in the league. I'll tell you, if if CJ
0: Stroud did not play as well as he did, I would have put up Zay Flowers for offensive rookie of the year.
1: Oh, absolutely! No, no doubt about that, and and, and it showed. Uh, the the uh, like I said, stats were there. Uh, he was he was proving himself, and then not only that, but in the first uh, first drive of the game, he had that very impressive touchdown. I, and and I had a feeling that in in that clutch moment, I could tell that this kid was for sure going to, uh, is going to be going places next year.
0: Yeah, that he will. We're gonna flip sides to the Chiefs now. The the celebratants of this game, guys who won. And we're going to hear from Patrick Mahomes on what he thought was the most trying moment of the season. Because we all know the Chiefs struggled at the beginning of the season, and then as they got through the year, they started picking up speed, and now look at them. At the beginning of the year, you and I were at the Lions and uh, Chiefs game to start the season, and they did not look right. They lost that game. And I'm telling you, I, I don't think any of us thought uh halfway at the beginning of this season at least that the Chiefs will be in the Super Bowl. But look at them now.
1: <laughs> that's that's you you're exactly right, Trey. I I had I had literally no idea that after that one point loss to the Lions things uh Chiefs fans after that one game, I mean, questions were already being thrown in the air. Are we even I mean, Chiefs fans were already saying, Are we even I mean, are we are we going to get there? Are we going to go go back again? Is this going to be a down year? for I mean, some us? some
0: people didn't even think they'd make the playoffs. Oh no,
1: they didn't even think they'd make the playoffs. But here's the thing: here's the thing about that. They didn't. They barely had any of their starters out in that game, and I think that that first game shouldn't have like basically. They shouldn't have chosen that game to define their entire season. I mean, they were missing pieces in that game, and uh, it, it kind of showed during that during that game. But you know, here they are with the starters out there. And here we are again, year like uh, I think this is the sixth year. Uh, the uh, uh, oh, sorry, the uh, fifth year. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl.
0: Yep. So here is Patrick Mahomes and what he thought the most trying part of the season was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like losing any any games. So every loss, I feel like it's tough. Um, but we always had everything we wanted in front of us, and we had that mindset. And Coach Reed preaches that every single day we come into the building. Um and and no one hung their head and everybody was ready to go and now we're going to the Super Bowl and like I said we're not done.
0: So, Pat obviously looking forward, not really going to dwell on the past too much, and that's definitely what you got to do is you look forward to trying to win another championship.
1: Right, and let, let me tell you, Patrick Mahomes, I'm pretty sure is becoming a. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to uh, settle into uh, this uh, Super Bowl spot. He's he's been here way too many times before. Um. You know he and he's won two two out of the uh, three Super Bowls that they were in, and now he's back here in their uh, their fourth one. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, uh, you know, I, I you know I hope for the best, but uh, we're we're gonna have to see how how that goes uh, for the Chiefs and uh,
0: 49ers uh, in about two weeks. Yeah, exactly, and we'll wrap up our Chiefs coverage real quick. Uh, I want to get to Chris Jones, one of the biggest players on that Chiefs defense, and this is him uh, during his postgame press conference talking about his thoughts on how the Chiefs defense played having to face the challenges that Lamar Jackson presents. Yeah, we um, as a whole, we try to limit his big plays. We knew we wasn't going to be able to completely stop him, um, but ju- just try to eliminate big plays. I think they hit us on two. Um, ALJ kind of lost, uh, um, lost the receiver in the back end four, made a, a big-time catch and. Uh, the second one, where well, the first one was, Nick got beat over the top by number four. Lamar started running. Um, two big plays. So if we're able to limit Lamar to two big plays, that's good. You know, and key thing to mention right there, you could see he mentioned how the two big plays was by Zay Flowers.
1: Oh yeah, Zay. Uh, you know those two big plays from uh, Zay Flowers. I mean, he he he's been uh, he 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 was even though those two um, mistakes impacted. Uh, basically the season, but he was still almost running all over them, and they were kind of making their defense look a little silly out there.
0: Exactly.
1: So we are going to
0: go to break in just a quick second. Um, we'll, When we come back from break, we're going to talk Super Bowl, and we're going to talk more news around the NFL because there has been a lot of things that have happened oh absolutely since last Tuesday including
1: and including today something else happened so we'll get to that uh when we uh when we get back from break all
0: right stay with us show if you've never listened before this is the gold standard we talk about olympic sports united states got 25 medals which put them 5th in the medal count figure skating news I get the feeling I'm going to do what I did last show and talk way too long about world figure skating and not have the proper time to talk about the other things or sometimes whatever I feel like Chiefs bills played each other this weekend in the playoffs and it was a time but it's my show so that's what I get to do Tune in Thursdays at 10 There's only one place for you to get your daily dose of Missouri Tigers news, Mizzou Sports Daily. Join us as we break down the latest in the world of Mizzou athletics from Stephanie Golan's team on the pitch to Eli Drinkwitz's guys on the gridiron. Tune in weekdays from 4 to 5 on KCOU 88.1 FM.
1: Message from your Shriners Hospitals.
0: This bathroom could be the most dangerous room in the house. A lot of kids are seriously burned by scalding hot water in bathtubs. Small kids should never, ever take a bath without a grown-up watching them closely. First of all, one cold water into the tub. Then, add hot water to warm it up. Kids always want to play with the faucets. And hot water on their tender skins can scald. Hot water can burn in less than three seconds. Welcome back to Coast to Coast, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, my name is Trey Bettler. I am here with Xander Cobo.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: And we are going to get right back into our coverage here. We're going to now talk Super Bowl. It's a little early for the Super Bowl. Uh, Players are on about a two-week break until they play, so they don't play until the 11th. That'll be next Sunday, so not this upcoming Sunday, but the following Sunday, so they get this week off. Uh, I know a lot of Chiefs players and probably resting here in Kansas City and Missouri and getting ready before they head out to Vegas. And um, that'll be an interesting game, I'll tell you. Um so far, uh the Niners are favored, I believe. They yeah, they are two and a half point favorites. And they are ESPN has the Niners supposed to win uh by fifty nine point four percent.
1: You know, you, you take a you take a look at this right now and again th- th- we still got 2 weeks so all these analytics could change and we're going to have to see but i mean we're we're in for probably a really really you know interesting super bowl matchup and it's going to be the uh uh super bowl rematch you know this time basically without uh Jimmy Garoppolo or uh Tyreek Hill so it, it think things have kind of changed now and uh the Foreign ers are hoping to change the narrative from their uh their last Super Bowl loss and trying to pick up this Super Bowl win for their uh, franchise. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll tell you
0: this. Um one thing to note and this is completely not even a vault surrounding football. American Airlines has gotten in on this Chiefs Taylor Swift kind of thing going on for the Super oh, Bowl. Oh boy. So <laughs> what American Airlines did is they released this to the um media, and they released this to the world today, they said, uh, you could say that after Sunday's games, we are in our football era, and we are thrilled to provide additional direct flights from Kansas City to Las Vegas. Um, And then it says, to our customers who are huge sports fans, look what you made us do. Referencing Taylor Swift. Now, here's here's what they're talking about. They're offering a trio of Flight 15s so dedicated to Patrick Mahomes. So they got flight 15 from Kansas City to Vegas and two returning flights from Vegas to Kansas City. They also have flight 1989 on February 9th and 10th which is a nod towards Taylor Swift. And there's also flight 87 direct dedicated to Kelsey. And then They're offering one other flight, which is 1521, that combines Patrick Mahomes and Chief Safety Mike Edwards' numbers.
1: Oh, man. This trend is getting out of hand. (laughs) I mean, I I, I, I get it. You know, it's great publicity there for American Airlines. They're trying to get as many people to book those flights to uh, Las Vegas to go uh, watch the Super Bowl. Uh, But... I this trend is really starting to get out of hand, especially with the companies. And not only that, I swear, I think on our drive back from the St. Louis airport, I believe the, uh, uh, I've seen a few ads, uh, billboards for the uh, gas station QT and says like, we're in our, like, something yeah, era. Yeah, we're in our it, croissant we're in our era. croissant era, yeah. So, so Taylor I mean, Swift has taken over Missouri. It, basically, Missouri has become it, – it, it's all Taylor Swift's world, and we're just living in it. Yeah, exactly. You should just, uh, at this point, just make her the governor of Missouri, <laughs> uh, the governess <laughs>
0: of Missouri. <laughs> that would be interesting. Exactly. Let's get back to football a little bit. One thing I want to mention, and I'm curious to find out, is uh, one of the Chiefs players, uh, Charles amenahu who caused – One of the biggest uh, plays in the AFC Championship game was that fumble. He caused that strip sack on Lamar Jackson. Um, He has torn his ACL, and so he will be out for the Super Bowl. And so my question is now, is that going to affect the Chiefs' defense as much as I think it will? Because Chris Jones, he's been great. George Karlaftis, they've been great, but they have not been as effective. And Omenahue brings that three-person power punch to that defensive line.
1: Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. He he is for sure a force to be reckoned with, and without him, I mean, it, it's gonna it, it's definitely gonna bring a big challenge to the Chiefs' defense. Um, it's, especially with a team like the uh, especially like a team with the Forty ers is you're gonna need someone on that. You're gonna need. Uh, someone on that def- uh, defense to try to stop Christian McCaffrey, uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh Elijah Mitchell, Jawan Jennings. The, the list, the list goes on. Uh, and if you if you're if you lose, start losing some of these key players that helped you in that win. I mean, I'm keeping it pretty simple. It it's not looking pretty good there for your defense.
0: Yeah, it's not. But we're gonna get into the other teams around the NFL. See some other things going on. First thing I want to talk about today, Xander, and I want to get your opinions on this because you know the most about this, I oh, believe. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Chargers have signed Jim Harbaugh as their coach, and they're possibly getting a new um, general manager. They just got a new general manager. Joe Horitz, the Ravens executive, will be their uh, new general manager. So, Xander, the signing of Horitz as the general manager, Harbaugh as the coach. How you feeling about the Chargers right now?
1: Ooh man, I mean, as a Chargers fan right now, I, I can't believe I'm even saying this in the off season, but I I'm kind of riding high right now. Uh someone like uh that that Jim Harbaugh signing was just so huge and I absolutely had at one point no hope that he was probably gonna come to the Chargers. I for sure thought he could go to the like the Falcons or probably I, I my my second choice was oh, he's probably just gonna stay at Michigan, but no, he he took the deal with the Chargers and uh, I'm I'm very excited. He is very a defensive-minded coach. Last time he was in the NFL, he led the 49ers to three straight AFC uh, sorry, NFC championships and a Super Bowl run, which unfortunately ended to his bro- his brother John Harbaugh, but uh definitely is something uh the Chargers have been looking for um for a while now. And then yeah, that uh GM signing um they uh, also fired their GM with uh, Brian Staley towards the end of uh, the season, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, the uh, new GM from um, uh, the new GM for uh, uh, from Baltimore. I mean, let me tell you, a lot of the GM Baltimore's, I, I do really like, and the, he sound he looks like somebody who could definitely build the team up and uh, look for the right players and uh, uh, find the uh, Chargers hopefully new footing going to next season.
0: Yeah, one thing I want to ask you though, and I. I didn't mention it here. Chargers also got rid of Kellen Moore, uh, so he's no longer with the team as well. And with Harbaugh being a defensive coach, what do you think that calls for the offense?
1: You know, I and we're we're just gonna have to see how the rest of the off season goes. I mean, Kellen Moore. I mean, don't get me wrong. This this dude was not a bad. He was not a bad OC or anything. I'm not gonna dog on him and say, oh, this is the worst OC in the in the NFL. But his play style, I think not only, you know, did Brandon Staley cost the Chargers some games, but I think some of those play calls from Kellen St- uh, I mean uh from uh, Kellen Moore almost uh um cost the Chargers basically most of their season. I, I didn't like the way the he would run the offense and I, I'm honestly glad he took that job in the Eagles. I mean, this is no no disrespect to like Kellen Moore or anything. I mean, listen, I, I, I love the Moors, you know, as someone who <laughs> as someone who just watched Mizzou go from, you know, six and six to eleven and two. Exactly. Basically because of uh some of the uh Moore brothers there. But uh yeah, I, I think that the uh I, I'm pretty sure um uh, in the next few months, they'll go out and find their new O.C. pretty soon. Well, that'd be good. Speaking of O.C.s, my Cleveland Browns have hired uh, the
0: former Buffalo Bills offense coordinator, Ken Dorsey, will now be our O.C. Um, Dorsey actually used to play for the Browns uh, for a while when he was in the league. Um, I'm going to tell you, yeah, he played quarterback for us from 2006 to 2008. Um, I'll tell you, I'm I'm actually really excited. A lot of people are somewhat confused about this pick, uh, this pickup. Some people don't understand it. Some people don't like it. I'm going to tell you, I like it a lot. I think it's great. Um, I liked it better than some of the other options. I was one of the people who did not want Kellen Moore. I've seen him in all of his other... Uh, jobs and I know they have not ended well Uh, and my offense needs anything it can get because it has struggled we had Joe Flacco but we are now moving back into the era of Deshaun Watson and we need somebody at the at the reins who can take over and kind of lead Deshaun in the right way Um, Dorsey of course coming from Buffalo um, basically ran a great uh, mobile offense with with josh allen and so i'm hoping that they can get that kind of offense of powerhouse that they have in buffalo and kind of move it over here to cleveland that have even more weapons than the bills have
1: yeah uh i i like this like you said i like this new hire um i think it's for sure going to be interesting to watch uh next season and i i think it's honestly the oc you needed um uh, Ken Dorsey in the past, uh, with like you said, with the Bills had re- actually ran a pretty great offense, and yeah, they you know, did. I mean, this just the powerhouse with Josh Allen and and Stephon Diggs, and you know, uh, and uh, Dalton and Dalton Knox. So I, I I do think this is a great pickup, and um, I'm I'm actually really excited to see what's going to happen, especially um, if he's going to let uh, Deshaun Watson maybe do a little bit of uh, play action or uh, read read option passes. So.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to see that, and the question now becomes, and a lot of Browns fans, myself included, are wondering, will Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, actually end up giving up play calling? He's called plays for the past few years. I think ever since he's been here, he's called plays. Um, And so I'm curious to know if Stefanski will call plays or if he's going to hand the reins over to Ken Dorsey to call the plays.
1: Yeah, I I think that's also more of the uh, sort of a, uh, I think I guess it's more of a trust issue there. You know, you you you, you know you you'll hire an OC, but you, you know you, you if you don't really have like maybe a great relationship with them or don't agree with the play calling, then yeah, uh, you're obviously as the coach just gonna say, okay, well then we're gonna do it my way and we're gonna use this playbook. So here you go. Exactly. Um. So we'll have to see what happens there.
0: Correct. Uh, we're gonna go to a different team. Um from my area we're going to talk about the carolina panthers for a second panthers hired their new head coach and their offensive coordinator panthers have hired the former tampa bay buccaneers offensive coordinator dave cannells is now their head coach i'm not a huge fan of that right now maybe he'll prove me wrong then again i was also the guy who wanted um mike vrabel to come be the head coach of the carolina panthers but then again nobody wants to play for david tepper. So, I don't blame <laughs> I don't blame mike Vrabel for not coming to the panthers, even though I was kind of hoping he would. And the offensive coordinator they hired is actually going to be Brad Isaac. Uh he will not call plays though. We did find that out that uh Canals will be the one calling the plays. Uh Idzik came from Tampa Bay. He was the wide receivers coach for the Bucks last season, so he's going to follow uh, canals over to Carolina and stay in the division <clears throat>
1: uh yeah you know I think the Panthers are just at this point just trying anything at, at possible I mean obviously Frank Reich didn't work there for uh the Panthers and I, I I guess any kind of new management as a Panthers fan should give you at least a little just a sliver of hope and maybe just maybe he could help out Bryce Young now, the
0: only hope I do have with this signing um is how well Cannell's worked with Baker Mayfield. And Baker really, I feel like Baker took a step this season. I mean, at the end of the season, of course, he looked like same old Baker Mayfield in a two-minute drive. But that's besides the point. What I'm saying is Baker took a step in his career, and he, he produced through every game, and he had solid games. And so I'm interested to see if Bryce Young can come through and have um, some more solid games. He started to look good at the end of the season, but I'm wondering with his new management if he'll uh, consistently look better on the field. Going to stay in the division, though, in the NFC South, uh, we're going to talk about a team that I thoroughly enjoy and I support a lot, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. I love the Atlanta Falcons. Uniforms, everything about them. Um, great team, in my opinion. I've always been a Falcons homer fan, but I'll tell you, man. Uh, Falcons hired Raheem Morris, and I uh, that one caught me off guard a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> you think of the coaches that were out there. I mean, at one point... Uh, Bill Belichick was even in the conversation. I believe he was actually interviewed there for the uh, Falcons' position. He and, was,
0: and I was very pissed that they did not get him.
1: Yeah, I I think that would have been yeah. honest. I think that honestly would have been a great fit for uh, the the Falcons. You know, he was looking for a team that had great skill and much uh, much to be improved. Uh, but but uh, I guess uh, the they didn't go that route, and uh, uh, it's not really unfortunate. I guess um, you, you know again i think the falcons are also kind of going through what the panthers are going through they're they're trying to find find something that will fit in their um with their team and i guess uh raheem uh raheem morris was the answer for the falcons so again we're just going to have to see what happens going into next year but uh falcons fans i guess should be you know thinking a little optimistic here i
0: mean i would be optimistic definitely uh morris He was with the Falcons previously. He actually was the interim head coach when they fired Dan Quinn originally in 2020. So he's had experience coaching the Falcons before, so he knows the area. He knows the team really well. Um, But the other thing to think about is that defense that he has. Jesse Bates, A.J. Terrell, Grady Jarrett. And then on offense, he's got Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson, Tyler Algeier. I mean... That offense is scary. imagine you get a quarterback in there with that scary offense and add one more big player on defense. The Falcons could be scary for years
1: oh oh for sure i i you know I even think that if they were able to get that QB situation fixed i I would for sure even think that they would go back to the uh uh the good years uh for the Falcons and including that Super Bowl run and the matt ryan days so we're 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 just gonna have to again, just like all off season we're gonna have to see. Um just, just what happens and the uh different approaches that they take.
0: Yeah, and so the Falcons actually also got their um offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator um th- this past week and they too have come from the Rams. So two other Rams employees have followed um, Raheem Morris to the Falcons. The two guys coming over will be the assistant head coach, uh former assistant head coach for the Rams, Jimmy Lake will be the defensive coordinator, and then Zach Robinson is the now the offensive coordinator, and he was the quarterbacks and passing game coordinator for the Rams. So Falcons definitely making a lot of uh, hirings in the coaching department, so that'll be something to definitely take a look out for. I'm hoping that the Falcons will do something in the draft, possibly get a quarterback or trade uh, with somebody in the league. I'd love to see Justin Fields come to the Falcons. I think that would be one heck of a duo. You put Justin Fields in the same field as Kyle Pitts, um, and I think that's one heck of an offense right there. Bears should trade – uh trade back or trade that pick I think uh next thing to work to look at here I want to talk about um and keeping in this Falcons thing uh the former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith actually has been hired but he's no longer in the NSC. He's now going to the AFC North, so he's gonna come play against my Cleveland Browns the entire time. Uh and he's gonna be the new offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um there's two things to note here. One, Arthur Smith has had really good um has had a really good job of getting good running games going, and so he has Najee Harris and Jalen Warren to work
1: with now. Y- y- yeah, I mean those those two guys, uh I mean be- to be fair, I, the, the the Falcons did have Bijan, so I, I he's and he's a, and don't get me wrong, he's a great running back. But I I think with uh w- someone like Warren, who's up up and coming right now and h- had a terrific season, and uh for sure, definitely one of Warren's best games was against the Ravens, uh, I think uh, earlier in the season. But uh, yeah, now he has some uh, running backs to work with. But uh, I, I I I don't know about this. Um, I just think that. Uh, especially when the uh, Steelers fans had to deal with the whole uh, Matt Canada uh, OC job uh, and the uh, problems that brought to the Steelers. Uh, I just hope that um, Arthur Smith doesn't fall in that same category. Well,
0: I don't think he will. I mean, he had some questionable play, questionable play calls last year that cost his team in big moments. But luckily, I, I know Mike Tomlin definitely has the trust in Arthur Smith. Otherwise, if he did not, they would not have hired him. Another thing to look at, from the Steelers' perspective that I didn't bring up originally, but I'm, I'm going to bring up real quick, is, you know, Mike Tomlin's getting up there in age, and you got to wonder when he's on the way out. I mean, they literally asked him about his contract, and he walked off. So we know he's coming back this next season. But in case he does end up leaving in the next few years or so, uh, the hiring of Arthur Smith actually now has a built-in replacement head coach for the Steelers now uh, since Smith has experience uh, head coaching in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think what they're trying to do is hopefully kind of build up a relationship there with Arthur. And, um, in the next few years, if things go very well between the two, then, uh, Mike Tomlin eventually start, says, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to step out and, uh, I'm going to, uh, take my, uh, uh, coaching uh, coaching job here, and I'm gonna give it to um to Arthur uh, Arthur uh, Arthur Smith. So, um I I, I, I do understand the uh, the reason of this hiring. So you know they have uh you know they can hire within the uh, instead of. Trying to look at uh, in the uh, free agent market for coaches,
0: exactly. And you know, one thing I will now mention: uh, we're, I'm going to start. I'm going to switch around and kind of talk about the Bengals for a second. Bengals have been a good team for a while. They just struggled this year with the loss of Joe Burrow. Uh, he tried to play through that injury, and then just got to the point where they just said, "All right, we're not going to risk hurting." Joe Burrow even more. Uh, we want to make sure that he is healthy and good to go. Um, and so Joe Burrow set out for the rest of the year, and he'll be back this next season. Uh, and the thing you want to mention about the Bengals is um, they got to figure out do they want to keep T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. T. Higgins is one of the best receivers in this league, in my opinion. He comes, um, he's pretty big. He's a big receiver. He's physical receiver. He's quick. They're always going to throw him the ball. He's a good target. Um, to look at, but another guy is Joe Mixon. Mixon's been a bangle for the longest time um and I'm not sure which direction the bangles are going to go if they lose both of those, they lose um key pieces of their offense um and that'll be something to definitely take a look at. I am hoping they get rid of T. Higgins possibly uh, I would love for him to come be a brown. And Joe Mixon, anytime you take Joe Mixon off the field, it would be nice to get rid of him so I don't have to worry about the Bengals being as good of a team as they have been. Uh, One other thing I want to mention is that uh, this relates to Detroit. The Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, has informed Detroit that he will be returning as their OC next season. Uh, He met with a few teams, I believe, a few teams interviewed him, uh, hoping to... Possibly hire him to be their new head coach, and he is going to try to come back as the Lions will look to go back to the playoffs and maybe go to a Super Bowl finally uh, next season. Xander, one thing I want to talk to you about before we head to break as we conclude our NFL coverage for this episode, I want to talk to you about what's happening
1: this weekend. <laughs> do, you, do you know what's happening this weekend? Um, I would believe uh, the uh, Pro Bowl will be starting yeah. this weekend. Yeah,
0: the NFL <laughs> Pro Bowl is, is this weekend. So, so my first question to you—it's plain and simple: Do you watch the Pro Bowl?
1: Well, uh, I, I, you know, with the new, with the new rule last—I uh, mean, the new, uh, uh, playing style last year, I, I, did tune in last year and watch at least a little bit, uh-huh. um, of the flag football coverage with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning as the coaches for the NFC and the uh, AFC. So I I don't know if I was a big fan of that. I, I actually uh, – I never really was a huge fan of the Pro Bowl. I mean, let's be real. When we talk about, like, these all-star games and stuff – the only one that actually seems to, like, take it seriously is, like, baseball. Baseball's for sure the one where the pitching's still there. It seems like nobody's really worrying about getting injured. Yeah. They're all trying to play for play for something. Uh, and, and then you look at all these other ones, like, like, of course, they're still entertaining. Like, the NBA All-Star game, of course, is entertaining. But it, it's all just a bunch of, show, like, you know, show off and, oh, look, I'm going to hit a three from half court and, oh, I'm going to do this. Uh, dunk off the rim and no one's guarding me. So, uh. yeah, And
0: that's the fun part about the NBA All-Star Game, and that's coming up in a few weeks, and we'll talk more about the NBA All-Star Game when we get a little closer. We, we're going to mention it a little bit today, as we're going to talk NBA All-Star uh, starters and who we thought should have been a starter and who did not get the call. Um, but I'll tell you, the Pro Bowl originally, I mean, there was nothing going on with it. It was Guys were not playing hard. They weren't tackling. I mean, it, it was two-hand touch with pads on, and so they, uh, they transitioned to a flag football game to kind of try to get the guys to get into it more. I don't necessarily watch the Pro Bowl because there's another game I watch instead that's happening this weekend, and I'll get to that in a few minutes or so. But what I want to mention, the thing I actually do watch is the skills challenges. I watch precision passing by the quarterbacks, the best catch, um... I watched the dodgeball, I watched the kick-tack-toe, the tic-tack-toe between kickers, uh, the gridiron gauntlets, the tug-of-war, I mean, and then the the stupidest one, in my opinion, out of all of them, was the closest to the pin, they're doing a pin shot challenge, six players on the golf course that they're filming, and they just show on TV, Um, and I also love the high-stakes one, which is catching the punts from the jugs machine, but... They have to hold on to the ball. So, I mean, last year Joel Batonio for the Browns, a lineman, made it to like so the semifinals. He was catch, he caught like four ball, four or five footballs, all in his hands from the jugs machine. So, I'm telling you, the the Thursday games are fun to watch. The Pro Bowl, I I don't watch. But what I wanted to ask you, and then I'm gonna, i I'm gonna give you my opinion right here. Uh, we both don't like the Pro Bowl. We typically don't watch it. And not a lot of fans watch it. A lot of people don't like the Pro Bowl. So my question is, what would be your preferred alternative? Because to me, I think that we should do the two worst
1: teams in the league, play each other, winner gets the first pick in the draft. I think that would be the best game. <laughs> you know, I actually didn't think about it that way. Uh, I, I do kind of agree, you know. Uh, just I mean, just imagine, like, the Carolina Panthers versus, uh, you know, the – the worst team in the AFC this year, which I believe, was that the, uh, uh, I, tr- I tried to remember. Do you know who the worst team in the A- A- AFC is? Because I kind of forget. Uh, I mean, see exactly. The, you know, it would show kind of uh, how how funny this would be. Like two almost irrelevant teams in the NFL would be facing off against each other. But um, yeah, I mean that that would be sure be a little interesting. Um, I don't know if like after the game, who wins, it's like oh here's your little trophy on uh, winning the winning this game, and you know hey here you go first round pick in the draft. That would, at least there would be stakes, because uh, here in the uh, Pro Bowl, uh, there basically is no stakes, and it's just all for show. <laughs> yeah,
0: Browns got cursed in the Pro Bowl last year, and Miles Garrett hurt his toe, and he was out for a while. Luckily, he was good by the beginning of the season. But All right, everybody, we're going to go to break real quick, and when we come back, we'll start talking NBA
1: basketball. And you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM in Columbia. Yeah. We apologize for this interruption of this commercial break for we have breaking news here in the KCOU studios as we send it over to our reporter Peter. Peter? Thank you, Peter. Looks like the penalty box will be back for another semester of shenanigans and sports talk. That's right, join me, Peter Camp, and my co-host Jack Knowlton on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for a breakdown of sports news from all around the country, from football to basketball to hockey to our favorite segment, The Penalty Box on KCOU 88.1 FM. You won't want to miss it, ladies and gentlemen. What's up 573, this is Keegan Harpin Telling you to tune in to the Breakfast of Champions Airing every Friday morning Join Brandon Anthony. Oh
0: Shoot, I just flew a thousand miles to come to see a blowout on Sunday Night Football Ryan Crothers I'm the pretty face Yeah, he's
1: the pretty face And myself, as we get your day started with all things sports NHL, NFL, anything that starts with an N and ends with an L From NFL, NBA, Mm -hmm. even some NHL Our crew has all the sporting news And just plain out morning fun I was gone
0: for a minute but I'm back now Sit the back down oh. at bars. Again, that's Breakfast of Champions, airing every Friday morning at
1: 10 a.m. on KCOU 88.1FM. Just, Just get in and talk about it. I've got to go home.
0: Oh, come on, Carrie. We're don't going run. to a new place. I guess she wants to go home, right?
1: <laughs> Let's go. Hold it. You OK to I drive? Yeah, to I'm
0: fine.
1: You sure? Relax.
0: What's a few beers? if you don't stop your
1: friend from drinking and driving you're as good as dead drinking and driving can kill
0: To Coast to coast, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, my name is Trey Betler,
1: and my name is Xander Coble. Did you saying, you're uh, technic- forget your name? Yeah, like I, you did I, in I, South I, 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 I think so. I think I left by, left by name back in South Carolina. There, Where's your so. name tag? Uh, I, I, I forgot to bring it today. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring it in tomorrow. What we're referencing
0: is, um, on the broadcast on Saturday. Uh, Xander and I went to South Carolina to cover the Mizzou men's basketball game. And when we were signing off, I hadn't spoke for Xander all day. I had said, I'm Trey Bettler here with Xander Kobold. And at the end of our broadcast, right as we're signing off, I said... I'm Trey Butler, and I looked to him to get him to say his name, and he blanked for a second. he had a brain fart, and we're, so we've been we've been messing with him all week uh, me and a few other guys and the producers, especially my father as well but we're messing with him, and it's all good fun, and he all gets it, and we're having a good time with it but we 're going to start talking about n b a basketball now. Xander, you're a fan of the Clippers. I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Your Clippers have finally seemed to turn it around.
1: Yeah, you know, they, they seem the to turn it around. Uh, unfortunately, they finally took a loss yesterday against the uh, Cleveland the, Cavaliers. The, the Cavs, you know. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, Evan Mosley was back. Uh, Isaiah Mosley was back there. Evan uh, Mobley. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're good. Fumbling names out here. Yeah, Evan Mobley yeah. was hey, back. At least
0: it's not your own name.
1: True, true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Cavs
0: one yesterday 118 108 over the clippers they improved to 16 and 8 at home clippers are now 500 on the road they're 11 and 11 uh, i'll tell you that that game was a good game to watch uh donovan mitchell's been playing out of his mind recently and so is um jared allen so the Cavs are definitely getting into it uh they're gonna be a scary team i'm hoping i'm hoping we become a scary team for the playoffs (laughs) here we're sitting about the fifth seed right now in the nba playoffs and i'm hoping we can continue that we got bounced in the first round by the new york knicks last last year because we didn't rebound the basketball (laughs) kind of like uh, mizzou basketball doesn't do um but another thing i want to mention now um so what we're going to talk about now is uh, the Timberwolves. Timberwolves have had a heck of a season. Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, they've had a great year. Uh, and what I want to know is can the Timberwolves keep this stellar season going? Um, does Carl Anthony Towns have enough in the tank to glue this
1: season together? You know, I i actually do think so. You know, they're, the, the Timberwolves, again, are in the same division with the Clippers. So um, I, I – you know, I always want to try to beat them, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they legitimately look like a really good team and, you know, cat is for sure, uh, leading the, uh, uh, leading this team. I mean, they got, I mean, they also have Rudy and they got, and and then you got, uh, Anthony Edwards too. in there, I mean, Anthony Edwards is just an absolute stud. So, um, I, I, I like where this team is going and just as of last night, they, uh, beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, another team coming up, uh, you know, in the NBA uh, NBA rankings, uh, beating them by six. So, um, you know, I, I think that the Timberwolves, uh, Timberwolves are kind of the real deal right now, and uh, they sh- they probably should be continuing uh, in the same direction for the rest of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh,
0: I call them Kit Kat. Uh, <laughs> Kit Kat, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, He's a heck of a player. I mean, he had 62 the other night. The, the issue is they still lost, even with his 62 points, which you think that should never happen. And I don't care what team you are. I don't care what team you play. If one of your players has 62 points, you should not find a way to lose that game, especially with a big, stellar player like Carl Anthony Towns. Um, another thing, here we go, as we go into the uh, rest of the league. Last time we talked about how, last time we talked Bucks had just fired their coach, and they were looking at Doc Rivers to sign. <laughs> and they officially have signed Doc Rivers now. Xander, what do you think so far about Doc Rivers?
1: Oh man, Doc, Doc, Doc. Um, where to start with him? Uh we all know what he what he's uh, what he does, and and don't get me wrong, this this dude isn't like a uh, uh, this dude isn't like a, a terrible coach or anything. It, it's literally just the struggles he has in the playoffs, His play, uh, the, the struggles of the playoffs. I mean, they, uh, the 76ers last year blew it, um, you know. And then not only that, but the multiple times Doc Rivers uh, blew it in the playoffs with the Clippers. That is what ticks me off all the time is the fact that the Clippers could have been so much more. But uh, when they had Doc Rivers on their team, they couldn't do anything in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Doc Rivers and the Bucks are 3-2 and two in the past five games, and the Bucks actually will play tomorrow night, in which will be Damian Lillard's return to Portland for the first time as they take on the Trailblazers in Portland. Another thing, uh, Rajon Rondo was arrested. Uh, that's a name I have not heard in a while. Uh, uh, the either. ex-NBA guard Rajon Rondo was arrested on a gun and drug charge in Indiana. Uh he the thirty seven year old. He was stopped for a traffic violation. Uh in his black twenty twenty two Tesla. He was driving recklessly. Uh and they also found drugs, uh they found the gun. Um just just a really
1: bad night for Rajon Rondo.
0: Uh
1: yeah, and and I feel like more of the more and more of these cases have been coming up in the recent. I mean, you look at this and you see this, and it's just another one of those like stupid pullover stories for uh, another. All these athletes who get arrested for basically the most stupid things I've ever heard. So, um, it, it, yeah, um, sucks for him. Uh, <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, can't be doing that. I can't be doing that. And- we're
0: going to quickly move away from that because that's, that's yeah, out of the yeah. league. I, just, I wanted yeah, to mention that because a lot of people know who Rondo is and we kind of just keep up with those things. Last yeah. week we talked about Tristan Thompson getting suspended because of uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And now we're, this week we talk about Rajon Rondo. Hopefully we don't have a story like that next week. Uh, but what we're going to talk about now is the NBA All-Star Game. They, uh, the starters for the game have been announced. Um, they have gone back to the West versus the East. It's no longer going to be uh, Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, as those two are the two leading voters. Um, but for the West, LeBron is the captain. Um, it will be his 20th All-Star Game. He will start. Uh, and with that, he passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most All-Star nods in uh, NBA history. But on the squad, it'll be it'll be LeBron, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, and and the Thunder's Shai gilgis alexander That's a that's a scary West team. But I'll tell you, the East they have just as big as a the squad. They've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. Damian Lillard, and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm. So it's good. I like the idea that a, a Pacer is in the starting lineup. Um, that's big for them, especially when you're playing in your own stadium. So the All-Star game, if you don't know, will be played at the Pacers in Indianapolis, um, and LeBron and Giannis are the captains. But what I wanted to ask you, Xander, is who, out of all the players in the NBA that did not get the green light to be a starter, who do you think was the biggest snub? Because I have two guys in mind. My two guys are Donovan Mitchell and Kawhi Leonard.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I will have to agree with the second option there. I think Kawhi was definitely snubbed. He he has been um backed, you know, with all the injuries that he's had to deal with in the past. Um I, I completely agree with that one. Kawhi definitely this year, when he stays healthy he is dangerous out there, and he's been showing it all season this year. And you know, I I, I do agree with the uh, Donovan Mitchell there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, uh, All Star Game snub pick there. But you know, another guy I think, uh, and this is of course staying with uh, <laughs> staying with the. Um, um, the uh, Clippers side, but uh, I mean, you could. I guess you could ar- make it argue. Maybe Paul George could get. Uh, I was th- going to argue
0: mean, James Harden, but
1: I was going to. Yeah, I was. That was that would have been my second option for sure. James Harden. I mean, what this when when he first signed with the team earlier to start the season. I mean. Most Clippers fans were had mixed very uh, mixed reactions. Dude, about I him. thought it was a complete joke. Oh, like. I, I I thought there was. I was like, first of all, I was like, there's no way this dude's gonna be on our team, right? And all of a sudden, here we go. You know, news comes in and he's on our team, and I'm like, oh well, um, this is not going to be fun to watch. But actually, it's been the quite opposite. I I have been, uh, Harden's been uh going, basically been going off for the Clippers and having a, uh, a a good year. And the fact that he's not even. In this list, basically, these two people aren't even in the list actually surprised me. Yeah, another name
0: on that list that I did not see that I I feel like should be there is Jalen Brunson for the Knicks. He's had a heck of a year so far. Uh, He's played really well, so uh, a backcourt of Brunson and Donovan Mitchell would be uh, very scary and a lot of fun to watch. One thing I do want to mention, though, is your team and my team both have suffered injuries this year and when they're healthy if our teams can stay healthy and when they make the
1: playoffs
0: we could meet in the NBA finals
1: i mean that that i mean that that's as of right now i mean this is this is a complete far stretch i mean Trey, you're you're looking at June right now. I mean, I, that, I that's how that's how far we're looking at right now. I mean, I don't. De- again, it's like the uh, the clip. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't even really be talking about playoffs right now. I mean, we're just playoffs. getting to the playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we're just getting to the All Star Game, but I, I I get your case. Yeah, I I mean, any one of these teams could easily be in the NBA Finals, and you know. Could this be the Clippers and the, and the Cavs' year this year? I mean, we're just going to have to find out and see.
0: Yeah, we got a long way to go. Lots of more basketball to play, so not even really thinking about that. But another thing I want to touch on for the All-Star game is something that was set in stone this morning that I am extremely excited about and it'll be Stephen Curry is going to face off against Sabrina Ionescu (laughs) in a three-point challenge after the the actual three-point contest on All-Star Saturday night. Now, if you don't know, I am a huge (laughs) women's NBA, the WNBA fan, and my favorite team is New York Liberty. Well, Sabrina Ionescu is our starting point guard, and I love Sabrina Ionescu. (laughs) She's one of my favorite players of all time. I actually just got one of her autographs recently, Uh, I'm trying to work on getting her a jersey, and... I am praying on Steph Curry's downfall. I am hoping Sabrina <laughs> knocks him out of the park. Uh
1: yeah. I I think you know not only that, but that this is just a great a great way to mix the WNBA into the NBA. I mean, they're uh, they're they're trying. I, I they're trying to get more viewership into the WNBA, and it, I think it really should get more attention than you know people people overlook it. it I mean, really it, it's really it's not bad to it's watch. Fun it's fun. It, it still is fun and. Um, I, I, I think that this is great. And, uh, as someone who maybe isn't the uh, biggest Steph Curry fan, I do agree. You know, I want to see, uh, Sabrina get out there and, uh, (laughs) Hit those threes and uh, try
0: to be like uh, Prime Steph Curry. The thing about this that I think is huge and a lot of people aren't mentioning is just how big this is for the WNBA. Yes, this is going to be fun to watch Ionescu and Curry, but this is huge for the WNBA. It gets eyes, lots and lots of national eyes on Ionescu and kind of lets people see just how good of a shooter she is and what they're missing out in the WNBA. I mean, these games are competitive. The Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty were the was the WNBA finals. Uh, Aces ended up winning, so I was upset after that. Uh my Liberty lost again. Um, but you know, but another thing to mention is the WNBA draft that's coming up soon. That's going to be a heck of a thing. You're going to have Caitlin Clark entering the WNBA, Angel Reese entering the WNBA. Uh Van Leith yep. is going to I mean, there are so <laughs> many amazing women's college basketball players that are going to be entering the WNBA where this is going to be fun to watch for years to come.
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Kate, you know, Caitlin Clark, like you said, I mean, for sure, probably if not the best player in all of women's college basketball right now. And there, there there's a few other names, like you mentioned. And, you know, you got some names from South Carolina for sure will be entering in that draft too. But, I mean, we got some really generational players going to the uh, WNBA. And I I. I, I you know, I'll 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 probably be watching some of these games wherever these girls go to. Exactly, you can you can count on me, definitely watching
0: it. You know, as you know, Xander, you see me around campus all the time. <laughs> i always rocking my WNBA hoodie or a, or a t-shirt. <laughs> I was at the rec last night wearing my uh, Seattle Storm WNBA team t-shirt, and so I'm excited for the upcoming season. Uh, hopefully, my Liberty will play well. Uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. I I, I believe Caitlin Clark is going to end up going to Indianapolis, but we will. Have to see what happens there. We're gonna move now into something that I've been wanting to talk about for a little bit now. Now you mentioned earlier in our broadcast today that the Pro Bowl and is like these All Star games that they don't really play hard. That the only time that they actually play hard is baseball. It's the Major League All Star Game, Major League Baseball All Star Game. I'm gonna tell you that. You're not a hockey fan, really. I mean, you like the Ducks, but you I, don't...
1: I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll dabble with hockey, but uh, I'm but not... But you don't watch uh, it
0: as much as I do, right? I, exactly. So yeah. what I want to tell you is this. I'm going to explain to you the all-star format for hockey, and I want you to I want you to know something. Okay. So, so if you're not a hockey fan, the all-star game is a perfect game to kind of get into hockey and kind of see what it's like. So... The way this works is like this. This year, they're doing something completely different, so this will be fun to watch as well. Typically, so in hockey, they have, like, a bunch of divisions. They have the metrop- the me- they have the Metropolitan Division. They've got the Pacific Division. They've got uh, the East of it. Like, they have a bunch of different divisions, and typically, they'll play three-on-three, and they'll have each division play each other. Winners in a bracket style, winners will play each other for the final.
1: Now, now I ha- I'm sorry to cut you off there, Trey, but um, I actually have watched uh, like highlights from these all-star games, and yeah, that's kind of what I remember. I think it's very a very unique way of doing it, and I think doing the 3v3, just like... Uh, um, I, believe, don't they, I believe they do 3v3 just like uh, overtime rules yeah, so. so it's
0: overtime hockey rules they do 3 on 3 so it allows you to see all the stars now I'm wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey oh, today boy. Austin Matthews because the all star game actually is taking place in Toronto and what they're doing differently this year is they're actually doing a player draft so they're taking what they do in the NBA of that former player draft and they're going to do that so they have four teams and these are the teams You've got, so each team is paired up with a player and a celebrity. So for <laughs> Team Matthews, so that's Austin Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leaf Center. So that's whose jersey I have on today. His celebrity captain is Justin Bieber.
1: Oh. You have Team
0: McDavid for the, uh, Connor McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers Center. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, the, another center for the Oilers, will be his assistant. So Morgan Riley will be the, uh, the defenseman for the Maple Leafs, will be the, ascense- will be the assistant for Austin Matthews' team. But uh, for Team McDavid, Will Arnett will be the celebrity captain. You also have <laughs> Team Hughes, which is led by the New Jersey Devils center Jack Hughes, and his brother, the Vancouver Canucks defenseman Quinn Hughes, And their celebrity captain is Michael (laughs) Buble.
1: I love these names so far, honestly. I know,
0: right? Uh, And then, let's see here. And then you have Team McKinnon, which is led by Colorado Avalanche, is center Nathan McKinnon. His teammate, Kale McCarr, is his assistant. And Tate McRae is the celebrity captain. (sighs) So... They're going to draft all these players, and this draft happens Thursday. So if you want to watch the player draft, that will be Thursday night. So I'll definitely have my eyes on that. And the thing about this, it's so fun to watch um, It's because it is competitive. They have a lot of fun. The thing with hockey is you can't not be competitive. It's kind of like the baseball. It's kind of like really baseball. True, I, I
1: I feel badly. Flag
0: football, ho- the guys can joke off, like slack off a little bit. Basketball, they don't really care. I actually loved the old format of get to the certain amount of points. I thought that was better. They were actually playing for something, um, but this this all star game is my favorite. They're playing, uh, they're playing to win. They want to win the tournament that they're in. But I'll tell you, the skills challenge. Skills challenge, man. That is where it's at. They've got fastest skater. So they <laughs> do laps around. They find out who's the fastest skater in the NHL. They do hardest shot. So they find out who has the quickest and hardest shot. They've got stick handling. They've got one-timers. The oh, passing okay. challenge. The accuracy shooting challenge. And then they have a shootout. Oh. And then they have an obstacle course. Huh. And then... And so the skills challenge is Friday night. The game will be Saturday afternoon. So if you don't want to watch that Pro Bowl game, because I will not be watching the Pro Bowl, I will have my eyes all on the NHL All-Star Game because I love the NHL. And that's one of my favorite things to watch. Now, one of the cool things that the All-Star Game is doing, and this is not relating to the sport, but I it kind of is, and I actually love this, and it is the fact that It is estimated that 25,000 plus fans are expected to skate, learn to skate, learn to play hockey in Toronto. They're going to have free public skating clinics uh, in their um, common, like in the square in Toronto by the stadium. And I think that is awesome. They're teaching people about the game, teaching people to learn how to skate. Dude, if I can go to Toronto right now, I would go up there. I would learn to skate so I can get on the ice and keep playing hockey because I love hockey.
1: Oh, oh, you know, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't mind myself trying to learn some hockey out there, too. I mean, this is great. Not Not only is this just great publicity, but it's more of a community outreach thing. And, you know... With reaching out to the community, uh, reaching out to the community and doing something like this, you're going to have more and more people—not only just watching hockey, but you might have more and more people trying to strive to make the NHL one day. Uh, so I like what the NHL NHL is trying to uh, do here, and uh, I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I agree that that uh, we're going to look at the uh, games so far and some of the headlines. The biggest headline that I have uh, revolving hockey is tonight. And tomorrow, I believe, are the final two nights before the All Star break. Uh, they'll play one more game tomorrow, and then they'll get into the uh, break with the player draft on Thursday. Tonight, uh, the St. Louis Blues—they're uh, big around here. Oh yeah, big time. And they are on a five-game winning streak, and they're looking to have their sixth game at the sixth game as they head into the All Star break. So. The amount of momentum that would give the Blues if they're in a six-game win streak heading into the break.
1: You know, I, uh, you know, for as much as uh, as much as I don't really watch a lot of hockey, I do follow hockey. So, yeah, I, I think that this is great, and I think right now the Blues, who started off really average this year, I mean, don't get me wrong, they they had some, I, I they had some great players, this, uh, like some pretty decent players this year. I think one of their uh, best players, I, I believe, was a. Uh, Buchnevich, I'm pretty sure he was for sure one of the ones that when we went to go watch a uh, a pra- or not a practice but a, a scribbage yeah, between the names. uh, uh but the preseason versus the uh, Coyotes they um uh, Buchnevich for sure was in there and he's he's one of their starters so uh their their left wing starters so I I like that the, you know they, and they got a few other a few other um few a uh, few uh, names like uh, I think Jake Neighbors isn't too bad uh, I again I haven't watched too much but. Uh, they don't have too many uh, bad, uh, <laughs> too many bad players on this team, but uh, I think they're riding high right now, and they're uh, like you said, a five-game win streak. I mean, they they just passed the Predators, and as of right now, I think they would be in the in the very last seat of the wild card. So keeping this win streak up could, uh, in fact, help you out uh, for the uh, rest of the season. And who knows? I mean, uh, if 2019 comes knocking on the door again, who knows what could happen? Yeah, exactly. So the Blues. Uh, They will host, they're at home tonight
0: against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Puck drop will be 7 o'clock tonight for anybody who wants to watch the game. I definitely will have my eyes on it if I am available at that time. You and I actually will be warming up for a uh, Mizzou Rec basketball game (laughs) as we get ready to go for our first game of the season. So I'm excited to get on the court tonight, hopefully, and see how we do. Uh, One thing I do want to talk about real quick, and I think this is absolutely hilarious. This is not going to be very long, but – Connor Bedard and Victor Wembenyama actually met up and talked to each other. And just the photo, I know none of you can see it, but Xander, if you see that photo, just the height difference oh, <laughs> between Wembenyama and, and Connor Ooh. Bedard. Bedard's been a heck of a player for the Blackhawks this season. Wembenyama's been a heck of a player for the Spurs. Both went first in, the, in their respective drafts. I'm telling you, these two are the future of their sports.
1: Oh, for sure, um, uh, for sure. Wemba Yamba. I mean, that that picture looks absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and there was—I'm pretty sure there was a video that surfaced uh, uh, last week when Wemba Yamba was playing the Seventy Sixers, and Joel Embiid, who is also an absolute monster, looked up, uh, like came up to it, looked at him. He even had to look up at him based on that height. I mean, good lord, uh, <laughs> Victor Wemba Yamba is a tall, tall man. <laughs> that, that,
0: that he is, and so. We're going to transition now. I want to talk to you about some college football things. Oh, yeah. The biggest thing around campus here is Mizzou's new defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, um, new defensive coordinator has officially the – we uh, Mizzou fans have been waiting for basically weeks now, almost a month pretty much after uh, Blake Baker uh, unfortunately had to – uh, part ways and moved down to LSU. That so snake. uh big time snake. I mean he's acting like he's K D or something out here. But um uh, right? <laughs> uh but uh, yeah uh new defensive coordinator has just been named this uh this week or yeah. last week.
0: Uh I believe it was last week. It was a few days after our uh, broadcast but uh Corey Batoon is the new uh, defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator at South Alabama, and now he will come over to Mizzou to replace Blake Baker, uh, who left to take the job, the defensive coordinator job at LSU under Brian Kelly. Uh, Batoon had the 25th ranked defense in the country, and I'm telling you, man, we've got some good guys coming in next year. Uh, we got some good guys in the portal, we got some great players signing who are coming in for their freshman year. This death row defense even though it's under some new
1: management of Batoon, I think they're going to have a heck of a year. Oh, uh, I, I and I completely agree with you, Trey. I, I think, honestly, you know, with Blake Baker leaving, I honestly think that Corey Batoon here could practically be almost just a bit better. I mean, you look at the stats here, and he was the 20. And, and let me tell you, this is just South Alabama, too. And the fact that South Alabama was in the top 25 of defenses in all of college football, and this isn't just the you know this isn't you know just you know their division or anything. This is all of college football, Trey. I mean, these teams are up there with like you know some of the like, like defenses like a Michigan or a, or an Alabama. I mean, just ridiculous to see kind of a a team uh th- that small have a huge defense like that. So I think you know him bringing those techniques here to Mizzou might honestly uh make Mizzou one of the hardest defenses to play against.
0: Yeah, they have to be when you go up against great teams in the SEC. You've got Alabama, um, Georgia, Texas, and Oklahoma now added to the mix. I mean, this is, you got to have a stellar defense if you want to perform well in the SEC, especially with Mizzou as they want to be atop the SEC this upcoming year. Uh, Xander, I wanted to ask you this one thing real quick. Um, do you see the path for Mizzou to win the SEC? Even though it's going to be tough, what do they need to do?
1: Well, listen, it it, it it was tough last season, and it, it's going to be tough again. I mean, Georgia's coming back uh, there, even though Mizzou will not be playing Georgia this year. I mean, their their team is still very stellar, even without Brock Bowers. I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, Alabama, Alabama is very questionable when it comes to the top this year. I mean, their offense may still be uh, pretty good. We'll see how Milrow does this year uh, after the uh, – uh, college football playoff uh, run they had last year. Um, so we're we're gonna have to see about Alabama. They're a little questionable right now, but I mean you have other teams, and then you have other teams. Just like Ole Miss is starting to come out with uh, Lane Kiffin uh, and their team with Jackson Dart. So I'm I am very excited to see what's going to happen. But if Mizzou wants to make a full run to win the SEC playoffs, that uh, the the offense is going to have to roll, and your defense is gonna have to roll with it.
0: Yeah, and. One thing I will mention, this is going to Alabama, and this is kind of getting off the topic of Mizzou. I'm going to talk Alabama football for a second. Uh, Caleb Downs kind of met with the media earlier today or earlier this week, um, and he was talking about his transfer from Alabama to Ohio State, and it came down to Georgia and Ohio State. He received over about 120-something calls (laughs) when when he announced that he was entering the transfer portal. So everybody wanted to get their hands on Caleb Downs, uh, the safety from the former Alabama safety. But what it came down to, and I, I liked the idea of this, I thought this was interesting, was it did not come down to NIL. They didn't pay him the most. The only reason that he really chose Ohio State was two things. One, Ryan Day and the secondary coordinator of Ohio State really talked to him and really spoke to him in a way that he liked. The way He loved the way they talked to him. He loved how professional – Professional they were about it, but the biggest thing is he wanted revenge on Michigan. He <laughs> wanted to beat Michigan, and so he said, I'm gonna go to Ohio State where they hate Michigan because I already hate Michigan, and we're gonna go beat Michigan next year.
1: I love that drive of determination there. I mean. That that I mean, just losing to Michigan in that game, you know, made it made that entire Alabama team so so frustrated and 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 mad and and I think Caleb Downs wanted that wanted a piece of that revenge and he said, well, listen, uh, Ohio State plays them every year, so uh, I want my revenge and I'm going to uh, work at it and uh, going to hopefully beat them and show them. Who's the real winner? Exactly. Well, it's about 5.30 here. we got 30 minutes left in our
0: broadcast. We're going to take our final break of the day, and when we come back, we'll finish up talking about college football, and we'll get into the crazy world of college basketball for this weekend before we send you off in the night.
1: to KCOU 88.1 Columbia. My name's Chase Madison. And I'm Luke Magnanti. And we are Cup of Bro. A sports radio talk show right here on KCLU 88.1 FM. Join us at 11 a.m. on Fridays for some fun sports talk. Featuring our bro segment, where we talk about everything that happens off the field. And drink a little bit of coffee, too. So be sure to tune in to see what we got brewing up.
0: Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday.
1: Get in and talk about it I've got to go home Oh come on Carrie don't We're going to a new place You want to go home right <laughs> Let's go Whoa. You okay to drive
0: I'm oh, yeah, fine You sure Relax What's a few beers If you don't
1: stop your friend from drinking and driving You're as good as dead Drinking and driving can kill
0: Looking for something that smashes sports content and video game content together into one big late-night radio sandwich? Listen to Quarter Circle Backboard, a show in which your boy Chris Mitchell brings you the latest and hottest in sports news that you like and video game news that I like every Friday night at 11 p.m. on KCOU. I talk about everything from football to basketball to street fighter to fallout to you name it. Is the worst thing up past your bedtime? Tune in and find out. Welcome back, everybody, to KCOU 88.1 FM. We are on the Internet stream, C-Stream. My name is Trey Bettler. I am here with Xander Kobold, and you are listening to Coast to Coast. This is our second episode. Uh, we're going to finish up here. We're going to start talking a little bit more about college football, Um We're going to talk about here is Michigan, with the hiring of Jim Harbaugh in the NFL, (laughs) Michigan now has decided to hire Sharon Moore as their head coach. Moore stepped up uh, for the Wolverines when Harbaugh was away this past season, with his suspension. Zeta, what do you think about Sharon Moore as their head coach?
1: You know, I think that this was a, a pretty good pickup here for Michigan. You know, uh, someone, someone, of course, with Jim Harbaugh leaving. There's not much you could really do about that. That it, it was a tough loss, but uh, after there, I'm, I'm pretty sure Michigan's still kind of riding high after their uh, uh, national championship win. But I think it's a good pickup. Um, I, I like, I like their idea of hiring from inside. And he, you know, uh, uh, Sharon Moore actually did. Do pretty well in his games that, uh, uh, after the, uh, I believe after the Jim Harbaugh su- uh, suspension. I mean, three he games, never lost. He didn't lose, so he I mean, he was
0: 4 0, and he beat Ohio State and Penn State. So you beat those yeah. two teams. I mean, that's huge. Um, and Moore was quoted saying that we're hungry for more, is what he said. I, I believe that Michigan's going to be good for a long time now. Um, but, Ohio State is stacked. It's gonna be a, that's going to be the game to watch. One of the biggest games to watch next season is Ohio State-Michigan. A stacked new Ohio State team, re- reloaded, locked and ready to go with national championship hopes. And Michigan is going to hope to get back to the championship as well. Um, but now we're going to go look over at something that came up today. Uh, something in the SEC that's a little <laughs> concerning.
1: There's always some sort of SEC news going around now.
0: exactly. I mean, it just means more.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: but Tennessee University of Tennessee is under investigation from the NCAA for NIL violations. Uh, they were charged uh, this past summer with an 18 level with 18 level one violations and a fine recorded eight million dollars. So now they're under the scope again.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, there's there's just so much drama going on in college football. I cannot stop. Um uh, of course, of course. When uh, I saw this on uh, Twitter recently, but when I saw uh, that this report came out, of course, the Alabama page kind of started poking fun of them, saying, "Oh, Tennessee's cheating." Oh, well, uh, well that would explain Tennessee, it. <laughs> Tennessee is not the only school, though. Uh,
0: there have been recent cases. Oh, absolutely cases. not. Uh, Florida and Florida State are the two headliners who have also been tied to NIL allegations. Um, with this new whole world of the NIL deals and everything, you got to just be careful. Um, of what happened before they were legal now. Um and so a lot of teams are gonna be under that microscope so they gotta make sure they uh didn't do anything wrong and so you definitely wanna make sure everybody's playing fairly.
1: But Xander let's let's talk about something that uh Missourians are very <laughs>
0: interested to
1: see. Not only interested, but are 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 kinda just laughing at right now because of how ridiculous it sounds
0: yeah. So the Big Twelve released its schedule this morning. Uh and KU Kansas found their home. So KU is actually getting renovations to their stadium and their on-campus facilities, so they will not be able to play in, Kansas, in David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. Oh, come on. I mean, um, let's,
1: I mean, listen, if Vanderbilt could play at their stadium, that's under construction right now, I think KU should just stay where they are. Oh, I do too, but uh, <sighs> the Jayhawks will not. They're actually going to be traveling into
0: Missouri to be playing Whoa. games. Uh, KU Jayhawks will play Lindenwood and UNLV at uh, Children's Mercy Park, which is the home to MLS uh, Sporting KC's franchise. But the big name is that Kansas will host TCU, Houston, Iowa State, and Coach Primes, Colorado Buffaloes at Arrowhead Stadium.
1: Man, I mean... That, that's just absolutely ridiculous. That That's that's absolutely ridiculous. They're, they're acting like they think that Kansas City is actually a part of Kansas. But in reality, I mean, it a really... A part I mean, of it is, but the, a part the of thing it is, is but most they have to drive Missouri.
0: into Missouri. <laughs> Arrowhead and Kansas City. Uh, sporting
1: KC's Children's Mercy Park is in Missouri. It, it, and let me tell you, when you go to those Chiefs games, there's a reason why there's a song called KC Mo. Keyword Mo, it's Missouri. That stadium should be, if if at all, should be reserved for Missouri, not those boys from Kansas. Exactly, and I don't know if you saw it, Xander. There was a billboard that
0: they had posted outside of Arrowhead, a few miles away from Arrowhead, um, and it actually had a picture. Of the ESPN game last time Missouri and Kansas played, and it has the player, the Kansas player with the grass oh, yeah. in his face mask, and it has the score above it of the Mizzou-KU <laughs> game. And Mizzou fans are clearly reminding KU fans where they are actually deciding to play their games this year. Uh, the Jayhawks will host the Colorado Buffaloes on November 23rd, so the day that Mizzou is supposed to play Arkansas, um, uh, the Buffs will be here in KC. I'm going to tell you, man, if I'm here in town and there's enough time for me to get from the Arkansas game to the Colorado Buffaloes game in Arrowhead, I'm going to go support Coach Prime.
1: I, I, I would too. And, I mean, listen, And, and, and the pro, and here's the thing is that Um, and I, this goes with tradition too. I mean, I'm only buying, if I would go, I would only buy tickets on a secondary market and I wouldn't go, or third party, I would not go directly through KU because I am not going to send a, spend a single ounce of money on KU and I would be there supporting the Buffaloes. Yeah,
0: boy, true Missouri Tiger at heart. Don't want to spend any money or send any money towards Kansas. I actually have a, I have a terrible thing to tell you of something god-awful.
1: Oh, boy. What did you do this time, Trey? (laughs) I know, right?
0: No, that's not even what I did. It's what's coming to this campus Thursday. You know me. I'm in the music department. You know I do a bunch of stuff music here. On Thursday, KU's men's choir is visiting us. Our director told us we have to play nice.
1: Oh I, I don't I don't know, I don't know, how know I feel about, about that. Boys boys coming from KU. I mean that's uh that's uh, and a I fighting have, match right. I have at, to sing
0: the with them too and be nice to them.
1: Oh my goodness that is.
0: They're lucky this isn't about sports. Oh
1: man, if they, let me tell you they they I mean they still better be careful if they're wearing their Jayhawk stuff around campus cuz if they the minute they walk outside and they see people wearing Missouri and stuff, and they jump. see you Oh, it it, it's over. I mean, it it for sure is going to be over. Uh, You you cannot be wearing that stuff around here, and uh, you will pay for it. (laughs) That you will.
0: We'll go into college basketball real quick uh, before we head off the air. Got about 20 more minutes left, so we got time to jump back to a few things or talk about anything we want to bring up. Um, But one thing that is huge, 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 huge. North Carolina has decided. To begin sports betting, I am so thrilled about Woo! that. I think that is amazing. Living in North Carolina, I think it's great. But what what's cool about it is it's beginning right before the ACC tournament. So it's gonna it's going to begin on March 11th. The tournament starts on March 12th. So they'll start March 11th. Uh, of course, uh, sports betting is anyone 21 or older uh, can make bets on pro, college, or Olympic style sports, um, but Uh, It's going to be set noon. At noon on March 11th, you can begin betting. The ACC tournament starts March 12th. So you can bet on the entire ACC tournament. Then you can bet on March Madness. Then you can bet on Women's March Madness. Then you can bet on the Olympics. (laughs) And you can worry about the NBA playoffs. And baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a perfect time. <laughs> and hockey. I mean,
1: <laughs> eh. the list literally goes on. I mean, I think that this is the the perfect way to uh, place uh, the uh, sports betting uh, uh, kind of deadline to start uh, sports betting. And, I, and I mean, it, it's great because uh, coming, so, coming from uh, California, you know, uh, they just made that legal a few years ago. So uh, happy that that's around. And, uh, unfortunately – You know, you go from North Carolina, now they're about to have sports betting. But as as of right now, there is still no sports betting in Missouri. Yeah,
0: there's not. North Carolina, uh, they're going to become the 30th state, along with the District of Columbia, to offer mobile sports betting. Um, And, you know, the Hornets actually have agreed. The Charlotte Hornets have an agreement with Bet365, which is another betting service. So uh, the state of North Carolina really getting into that really – uh, cruel, yet also rewarding business of sports betting.
1: Yeah, uh, I, think, I think that's a great first step for them, and uh, you know, we gotta, uh, I, I hope that in the uh, near future here, Missouri can st- take those next steps uh, coming up soon.
0: Yeah, And now we talked about sports betting. We talked about how it's in North Carolina. Punzander, this Saturday, 5.30 tip-off. One of the biggest games of the season.
1: I think I know who this is.
0: (laughs) The Duke Blue Devils. Number (laughs) seven in the country. Travel to the Dean Dome. To the number three, my UNC Tar Heels. Man. One of the biggest rivalries in all of college basketball. The Battle of the Blue Bloods. Duke had their first game um, yesterday of the week. They're they're done until this Saturday. So they played yesterday, and they won. Carolina will play tonight. They are at Georgia Tech. And so they will they will go there for their little final uh, warm-up game before the Duke game. Hopefully they don't drop it here. Carolina has a tendency sometimes to <laughs> drop it out of nowhere. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, they do. Uh, South Carolina and Tennessee are actually playing right now. Uh, South Carolina's up 7-5, 14-43 to go in the first. Um Xander, let's let's talk South Carolina for a second. You and I got Whoa. to travel to South Carolina. Yes, uh, we did. They did not make the top twenty-five rankings. They were the
1: highest vote getter
0: that did not get in.
1: Uh that yeah, that actually you know shocked me. I I for sure I was telling Trey after the broadcast after the unfortunate loss for uh Missouri uh, Missouri men's basketball team um. Uh, I I think I I thought for sure they were they're going to get ranked. I mean, they they literally beat up Kentucky and I don't know if it was maybe because there was uh many many teams maybe didn't get upset this past weekend or it was just because they only beat Missouri by 8. I mean, who knows, but uh it it really did surprise me. I mean, they're they're doing really good right. They're they're on a roll right now and uh, if they beat Tennessee, I mean, you got to think that they have to be ranked by then. I mean, how how, how much you know? Hey, how much if you longer, beat the number five right. team
0: in the country, you're going to definitely be ranked. I'll tell you this, though. To no surprise at all, BJ Mack is leading right now in scoring. Shocker. I know. BJ Mack, um, if any of you did not catch the broadcast this past weekend, BJ Mack was the leading scorer. I believe he had 20, uh, something, 20-something twenty something points, um, and he was a factor. Mizzou could not stop him no matter what they threw at him. Um, And so the Gamecocks are riding high right now. Uh, And the Tigers are not. We're going to look real quick uh, at the AP 25, top 25 rankings. UConn still sits at number one. Uh, Purdue two. North Carolina three. Houston is four. And Tennessee five. Uh, Wisconsin is up seven spots to number six. Their team, they started out a little slow, but they've come into it really well so far. But one thing I do want to mention that I do want to look at here and I think is interesting. You know, we've had a few past years ago where some teams were undefeated going into March Madness and they got a number one scene. That is not the case this year. Number one one team in the country has two losses. Number two team, two losses. Yeah, it's... Number three, three. Number four, two. Like, these teams are (laughs) beatable. And that's what I love about this. And that's the best thing about March Madness is that none of these teams are immortal
1: right and I, I completely agree with you I mean the, the fact I don't think I've ever seen and, and this is something I didn't bring up in our last broadcast but I think after last year's March Madness I mean it's brought on a huge surge of just a bunch of upsets we've seen a surge of upsets all season long It it's it's mind-boggling because it it's, it feels like it's too much but i feel like it's just what college basketball needed uh, a lot of these teams when it came to upsets almost seemed like almost every week it was very rare if like a kansas were to come in and play um like uh let's just say like a um, uh an iowa state let's just bring up that iowa state game if they were if this was like 4 years ago and it was iowa state versus kansas i i think that it, if they were playing at iowa state i think kansas would have probably just walked all over them and uh, that and again, uh, this this came up again this year, and uh, they actually lost. Uh, they have been absolutely horrible on the road, and it's first of all, not only is it great to see KU lose there, uh, uh it's not like not like yeah, Missouri's doing so much right better, there. but um, I I like the upsets, and I think that it, it's gonna hopefully keep up, and uh, uh sh- and hopefully it'll show in March Madness.
0: Yeah, what all these losses though do show you is that. Uh, if you lose, it's not going to immediately drop you out of the top 25. You know, it happens in football all the time where somebody loses and they're dropped out of that top 25. Some of the bigger names, though, that are surprising to see on here that you have not seen in a while, are, this is new for me. Uh, new Mexico is on there. Utah State is on there. Uh, Alabama now jumps into the rankings. Oklahoma has severely dropped. Uh, Florida Atlantic's on there. One of the teams that has dropped that I was surprised, and I was impressed thoroughly by the win to beat this team, was Auburn. Auburn's drop, I was thoroughly impressed with Alabama's uh, win against Auburn. Auburn's been one of those teams all season for me where I'm thinking they are one of the best teams in college basketball, and if they get hot in March, they're going to be a team to look out for that could possibly win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, i have been I've been impressed with most of the SEC teams this year. I mean, including one including but I excluding mean, one team that well, unfortunately uh, we have to cover. But uh,
0: yeah, we'll <laughs> get them in just a second. I'll tell you, you know, the SEC typically is not a basketball conference, but in the past few years, uh, they've gotten some star players in the SEC, and they've really started to pick up their play in basketball and really become a um a force in the basketball world.
1: Yeah, um I I I I agree. Uh we got, you know, like you said, Alabama has came from came from like absolutely nowhere a few years ago. I mean, Alabama like was basically almost non-existent when it came to men's uh, men's basketball, but now here they are, and they're they're consistently always feels like they're making the rankings and always making. Uh, last year they had a uh, interesting run going into uh, March Madness. Uh, they did fall short to uh, my team, San Diego State. So um, uh, very happy about that. But still, not to mention that Alabama is starting to make a uh, comeback. In Tennessee, Tennessee actually has been pretty good in the past when it comes to the SEC. They're one of the few that a uh, few teams that. Do stay pretty consistent in SEC play. Um, uh, but again, like you said, Auburn, Auburn, another team who in the past uh, wasn't really talked about too much uh, when it came to men's basketball. Now here they are, you know, in the top twenty-five.
0: All right, man, let's get to them.
1: Oh man, zero and seven in SEC play. Uh,
0: Eight and twelve on the year. Can, we,
1: can we just formally end the season, please? Like, let's, can we end the end this pain? <laughs> <laughs> Your last
0: place in the SEC, uh, Missouri Tigers.
1: <laughs> it's not been a good year so
0: far, man. Oh, dear. Did you know
1: what to say. Oh, man. I think I think this is how every Mizzou fan is feeling right now about the uh, men's basketball uh, team <laughs> oh yeah that's how i'm feeling
0: uh bj max scored 21 and that's the that is the points i got the transfer from wofford 21 uh held off missouri 72 64 uh the tigers will have a uh, their next game uh, against arkansas tomorrow night arkansas is third to last i think <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, they're play. yeah they're having a down year, but they are. I don't think they're having as much as a down year as Mizzou is oh, having. Oh yeah. Uh, it's... So
0: I mean, the, I mean, the next two games for Missouri are their ne- are their best shots to win an SEC game. Uh, they play that they that... play Arkansas tomorrow night. They play at Vanderbilt Saturday. If they beat Vanderbilt, I think you and I are going to have a celebration here on the broadcast I, next Tuesday.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I it, this sounds completely crazy, and I know this probably won't happen, but if at any point we actually do uh, like beat Arkansas, I say consider it an upset. Rush the court, you beat your rival, and you get your first win that we've been waiting for basically a month now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or, uh, I mean, if you dis- if you exclude that Central Arkansas win they had in December, basically the last two months uh, we've been waiting for a win, so... Um <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a
0: long time. We, we've uh, gone without a win. La- last team we beat was Central Arkansas. So hopefully we can beat another team from Arkansas uh, come Wednesday night. The Tigers are on a uh, seven-game losing streak right now.
1: Ugh, that, that number is uh, aggravating me. Oh. And uh, I kind of want to forget that this team exists. But you know what? As a true Missouri fan... We have to stick with them, and I think that, it, you know, maybe they show us something, you know, towards the end of the season. And, and I mean, maybe, maybe they'll get a few wins out of nowhere. And, uh, I mean, we're still kind of upset material. I mean, usually with these last-place teams, you know, when uh, a team like Tennessee or Auburn coming in in the next few months, uh, I, I honestly do see a f- bit of upset material, especially at home. I mean, that Tennessee one is for sure going to be a must-watch for all of us. We're going to be there. We're going to be loud. We're still going to be supporting this team. And who knows? Maybe the improbable happens.
0: And you're exactly right. Uh, one thing I will talk about now is uh, our men's team may not be doing well, but, hey, our, our women's team, they're not doing great either. But,
1: but they're not in last place. They're so, not. Hey. They're, they're they're they're
0: they're they're hey they won two games in SEC play. That is improvement from no win. They are two and six in conference play. They're, they're, they're getting eleven somewhere. and ten. They're almost five they're over five hundred. <laughs> I mean, hey, that says something right there. They're over
1: five hundred. Mizzou, I don't think they can say that. Yeah. Um you know obviously again shout out to the women's basketball team yeah the under
0: 500 they 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 are they're at 400 they're 8 and 12 uh, <laughs> they're 6 and 5 at home they're terrible on the road they're 2 and 5 0 oh, and 3 against anybody in the ap poll
1: you know, yeah again we're we're talking about they have their game tomorrow and i believe that starts at a uh 6:30 uh, um 6:30 uh tip off time is scheduled uh for anyone who wants to uh, show up for that but um you know, I, 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 again, I just big shout out to the women's team. At least they kind of help us uh, cope a little bit when it comes to the uh, men's basketball team. So, uh, yeah, it'll actually be a seven
0: thirty too. So.
1: Oh, excuse me. Sorry, seven thirty tip. Wow that that is a late game for college late basketball for terrible, terrible, terrible teams. The ten and ten Arkansas
0: Razorbacks who are one and six in conference play against the eight and twelve Missouri Tigers who are zero oh and seven in conference play. Seven thirty tip off on the SEC Network. Arkansas is on a, a three game losing streak. Tigers are on a seven game losing streak. Uh, Razorbacks score more points per game. They shoot a little worse from the field. They get more rebounds. They don't get as many assists. They get more blocks. They definitely don't get as many steals. So I'm guessing, I mean, based on the stats, it really looks like Tigers are just going to have to do what we said they had to do in South Carolina and what we've been saying they had to do every single game this entire season. (laughs) Box out and rebound the ball.
1: Oh man, yeah. Let me tell you, we we were we were saying this on the on our call in the uh, South Carolina game last Saturday. I mean, we were we were saying the rebounds are always the problem, and, and it's not even that Mizzou's defense is even terrible or anything. I mean, we saw some monster blocks off the off the boards in that game, and yeah,
0: one of those blocks. I think it was some HR. Aiden Shaw. Aiden is yeah.
1: leading the team. I think with uh, I think with blocks so far. So, um, uh, it was there, there were some great defensive plays, and. I honestly do think if they kept that up, if they played kind of the way against South Carolina, um, if they they got to make sure first of all they guard those threes. I mean the threes were raining all over the uh, all over the court for the Gabe Cox. Yeah,
0: a lot of guys didn't get their hands up. They didn't put a hand in the face. They didn't even contest the shot, and that's one of the issues that you're gonna have. Alright, Xander. Well, as we wrap up, we've got about five
1: minutes left here on our broadcast. We're gonna talk about our trip. Yeah. Um uh other than the uh uh Mizzou game. Uh how how'd you enjoy your first experience in
0: North Carolina?
1: I gotta say it was for sure an interesting one and you know, leaving we, we had to uh scram and get out of uh campus here around uh three o'clock on uh on a Friday. Uh and uh the uh, first two plane rides were uh uh very very interesting. Uh did not like the first one. Second one <laughs> that was cramped. Yeah, that was cramped. Uh did, did not like that one. Second one was actually a little bit better and plus like that one had like like half the flight full and it wasn't fully booked. So and we got
0: to sit together for that. White, and we actually got to get our uh, we got our nice Five Guys meal before the oh yeah <laughs> and, uh, we got on the D- the-
1: shout out to the D C airport for providing us with that meal. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, they didn't provide you with that; you bought that. Well, buddy. Uh,
1: to be fair, I bought that, and uh, uh, it kind of burned a little bit of a hole in my wallet. But you know, hey, you- when you need food, you need food, and they okay. were there. So
0: Xander, I hate to cut you off, but I want to I want you to see something. And I am going to tell everybody this: I am looking here at the game cast for this game against Arkansas. Look what ESPN has said. Are you kidding me? Are we actually favored to win a game? Missouri what? is favored to win. They are a 67.5% chance to win That's unbelievable. by ESPN Analytics. And they have it's only a 32% chance that Arkansas wins. Wow. The lowest ticket is $2. <laughs>
1: Uh, man that's that's just how how how, how far we've got it, it's gotten to the point at this point you might as well just like free tickets it, it it it's basically what it is it's like free tickets i mean i i i can't believe that two dollars for a basketball ticket and you could probably get almost court side with those seats too yeah
0: probably <laughs> uh, but going back to our trip uh, I wanted to ask you one thing what was your favorite And worst moment, all right, your favorite and least favorite moment not pertaining to basketball.
1: Oh, not pertaining to
0: basketball. Because I can guarantee you if I said what was your least favorite moment from the trip, you'd say we lost. I mean, that would be it because I get that. Yeah. But I want to know, aside from basketball, what was your favorite and least favorite moment of the trip? And I'll give you mine in a second.
1: All right. So uh, favorite moment. Um, It doesn't have to pertain with basketball maybe. Um, I think, honestly, my favorite part was – uh, kind of chilling on the drive up there. Um, it was a nice, beautiful drive. Lots of scenery, lots of trees um, uh, on the east coast. There, uh, the drive back uh, was the drive back was probably one of the worst parts. I mean, uh, we, we 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 almost th- dying. We kind of almost died uh, <laughs> driving. I mean, people yeah, trying like to they run us off the road, road.
0: Man, <laughs> it was it was tough. But they caught wind of our Missouri plate and tried to get <laughs> uh, tried to run us off the road. Yeah, they were yeah. trying to
1: run us off. But hey, you know. Uh, made it back alive, and got to say we ate at a nice place called uh, Cookout. Uh, Very cheap, uh, loved it, food was great. Uh, Trey introduced that place to me, found it off the side of the road, enjoyed it. Uh, And then I guess another part I liked was uh, the fact that we just literally walked on to the court after the game and walked around and took a lot of videos and pictures so that was pretty fun yeah and
0: I'll tell you my, my favorite part honestly had to be um and this is just me beginning to go home I enjoyed being home and seeing some familiar territory at least favorite part had to be that plane that I got cramped in my legs turned. I'm a big <laughs> dude man I mean I'm 6'3 trying to fit in, with broad shoulders trying to fit in that tiny plane seat it's a lot But that's going to do it for Coast to Coast today, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, my name is Trey
1: Bettler. And I'm Xander Cobalt, and I did not forget my name this time. You didn't forget your name, so we're proud of you for that. Uh, Make sure you
0: tune in to next week's episode next Tuesday, same time as always, 4 to 6. We're going to talk NFL honors. We'll talk the Pro Bowl a little bit, see if anything happened, our thoughts on what happened, and if any new hirings or anything happens. And hopefully we're celebrating off a Missouri win over Arkansas. But until then... Everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Make sure you watch some sports. And uh, have a blessed day. See you.